It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. You're listening to the Noise Cancelling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark. Welcome back, everybody to Noise Cancelling Pod. This is episode 13. We are very glad that you came to listen again. I'm Frank Boyce. And like I said, this is lucky episode 13. And uh, today we're talking about passion, uh, passion projects, and um, you know specific passions that have really piqued Axel and Maya's interest both in our current life and, and maybe even digging into our childhood to see how some of those passions have, have walked through the eras. So I'm going to turn it over to Axel first and just ask him what his current passions are. All right. So before I talk about my current passion, I probably just need to talk about in general, what am I passionate about? Because I think sometimes when you try to pinpoint it too much and you're searching for a specific thing, I think that can not be productive. So in general, I would say I'm passionate about learning and figuring things out and then finding new experiences. Nice. So specifically what I'm working on right now, we've talked about a little bit, is learning how to computer program. So learning how to do everything from, well, full stack web development. So from the uh, front, end, front end and back end. So I've been spending a lot of my nights and weekends working through different tutorials and trying to build different web applications. So I had, I had a question. I was going to say it for a lot later, but... I'll just jump in right now. So in a, in a hypothetical sense, because obviously your career is um, less dynamic than, than some people in terms of you can just choose whatever you wanted to do tomorrow. Um, when would you make a passion a career? So hmm. I think so here. So I, I did some research today when I was looking around on finding your passion. I think there's some things out there's, some people out there that think it's it's not i don't want to say far-fetched but there's a conventional wisdom out there that to build a satisfying career the first step is to find a specific passion and then match your passion to a job and then you're all of a sudden you're gonna love life but Mm -hmm. i think like that's kind of like one of those things that sounds good on paper but i think it probably doesn't happen it doesn't happen that way very often uh so a different strategy that I found that that was recommended is that instead of doing that, you identify a target lifestyle. So kind of what I talked about in terms of not a specific thing that you're passionate about, but just what in gen- like what general lifestyle or what are your general life passions. So identify that and then start re- like there are certain jobs that are not going to support that sort of lifestyle. So you start eliminating those and then you find kind of a group of jobs that will allow you to ha- to uh, that su- would support that specific lifestyle, and then he says train and train a rare and valuable skill and get very good at that. So that uh, and when you get very good at something, it's kind of like counterintuitive. But once you you study something, you get very good at it. It's almost like that becomes your passion. Like you don't you aren't passionate about it until you're excellent at it. Hmm. 
that that's all extremely good advice i feel like for whatever stage of career planning you're in to to do that sort of evaluation on things that you're interested in but but also things that match up with your skills that match up with where you live in terms of the job market and tons of other factors i think what you said um especially not necessarily working in practice i would take it even a step farther and say you know some things that you might have been passionate about before like if you grew up and thought that it was going to be really fun to be a whale trainer like those things probably would turn around when you're in college and you're like oh I, I didn't think I had to take these classes and you end up on the opposite side of that spectrum it's not a passion anymore but you have like this almost hatred or begrudgment towards right it. well I was reading that another thing is it's dangerous to take something that you're passionate about and turn it into work because just like you said once it's a job then maybe it's no longer like cooking is probably a great example where you may be passionate about cooking for yourself and so they say well, why don't you start a restaurant well ha- owning a restaurant is not the same as cooking in your own home and you could probably quickly destroy that passion of cooking uh when you put all this pressure all the additional pressures around owning a restaurant to it yeah i think that's absolutely right i was thinking through this question from an entrepreneurial standpoint and i think there's just a certain it's either a certain threshold or a certain personality that can kind of handle that, um, that transition. And I'm not necessarily certain if that's someone who can handle a lot of, um, balance in their life. I I think people who are just so type A and will be on a passion for 23 hours a day and not sleep, you know, they'll, they'll excel at making that passion their career. But for me like that, that just wouldn't work at all. Like at, I, I couldn't just take a singular passion and make that every single hour of my life. Well, there's a da- <clears throat> there's a danger in that of just not having balance in your life, you know. And then that's 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 the only thing you're working on, and then you have nothing else. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, even if you find a lot of enjoyment and happiness out of that, um, <laughs> it, it's still hard to see that as being a sustainable solution. That that's the only thing you have. Uh, tying you to people and tying you to society and and making you yourself worth tied so closely just as one aspect yeah one one other thing i was reading about are the people that they're passionate about doing a certain type of work and they're they get good at it, they enjoy it and then they get they're so good at it that they're offered like managerial jobs or different types of jobs that are not going to be what they're interested in and probably a majority of people they can't help themselves they just they take on they basically just keep climbing until they don't like it or until they they basically climb themselves out of what they like doing sure i mean that's the the classic uh fighter pilot right like they they love flying they love missions and then all of a sudden they become commanders and (laughs) it's kind of a crappy job like you're just dealing with personnel and you're not doing any of the fun stuff that you used to be able to do Right, like I, <clears throat> I really respect the people that are, like, comfortable enough with themselves that they're not chasing promotions or money, and they're willing to just sit in the job that they love. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's a that's a humble. There's that's a bit of humility that it definitely shows, um, and just a lot of self awareness for sure. So, talking about getting really good at at a passion or you said proficiency um where do you think that fits not on the side where you were describing where that would be your career or your profession but 
on the side of your passion project, where do you see that proficiency element coming in? Because I think both of us, you know, have had numerous passion projects and have, you know, for me personally, I've kind of come to the conclusion that, that I'm happy being mediocre. Uh, (laughs) You know, like if that, if that's as good as I can get at something based on how much time I have and how much effort I can put into it, that I'm, I'm completely okay with being mediocre at a ton of different things. Like I think there's value to that. Well, so see, I think mediocre is a little bit harsh. I think you can (laughs) probably get above average pretty quickly if you focus on, if you're willing to put in the time to learn the fundamentals because I think a lot of people are not willing to do that. So they'll just kind of uh, play it like move, move along and like they're having fun doing it, but they're not really focused on getting to the next level. And I think, so I think with a little bit of focus, you can get, you can get to an above average. And I, I agree that I probably have not like, once I get to that point, I'm somewhat satisfied and maybe that's a weakness of mine, but then I sometimes I move on to just like that's all I, I'm looking for. Well, and sometimes the cost to get better than that is much greater than the benefit. Oh, would that's be. definitely true. Yeah, because yeah. like you you get to a certain point and you're like, well, I I could spend another ten hours editing this, or you know, I could spend another five hours prepping for this, but sometimes I'm just happy with with how it rolls out. Yeah, I don't know what's better because there's some. It probably there's you probably need a mix of those two people that have are good are just good at a lot of things and then someone who says no this is my thing and I'm gonna assume become absolutely world class at this exact thing. Yeah, I mean my problem is that I have enough passions that it would be, I feel like it would be impossible to be world class at, at all of them. Um, yeah, you'd have you, no, you, it's impossible at all. You'd have yeah. to fix you. You have to pick one. Although I wonder. I wonder if once you become world class at one, like once you're in that kind of mm-hmm. area, that it's a little bit easier to to bring up the second thing up to be world class. You think you could maintain that first skill? Yeah. Or you're you're saying, oh, interesting. <clears throat> that would be a good experiment for sure. So you're saying we need to first become world class podcasters, right? And then, <laughs> right. And then that will springboard <laughs> springboard our, our other passions. Um, so kind of in the same vein, is there a point where you feel like it's worth overextending yourself for a passion? So I think to get good at anything, you have to kind of put yourself in a position where you're a little uncomfortable and you're a little bit stretched. So definitely, uh, if you, if you want to have the most improvement, you've got to be, you've got to make yourself uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about like being in situations where you're discussing with people with a lot more not knowledge than you, like for your, your programming or, or yeah. So, yeah, or trying to figure out on my own how to do something that is pretty technical. And there is a, maybe even a two or three day period where I'm just struggling and not getting anywhere and just hitting roadblock after roadblock. And it's not, it's like that two days is not fun. And really, once you figure it out, it's 20 or 30 minutes of elation, and then you're just on to the next thing. But I think you have to go through those periods. Yeah, I mean, I wish in in some circumstances you could put yourself a little bit more into the fire, because that's where 
when those things happen organically, you always learn so much, not just about the job or the project or yourself. It's just this all-encompassing thing that is really hard to describe. You know, I, I think back to the first project we did in Turkey, and we touched on it a little bit. But in, in three days, I learned more about contracting than I probably did over any six-month period in, yeah. in, in any other time. So it's just like there's there's no way I could try to force myself to learn like that. So I think in terms of passion, it's hard to put yourself in those situations. So Josh Waitskin, he, he was on Tim Ferriss. He wrote The Art of Learning. He was talking with Tim about firewalking. So he mm-hmm. tries – he well, his – his goal or whatever is to take people from the 90 percentile to the 99th percentile or maybe even he would probably say maybe from the 99th percentile to the 99.9 percentile and he said one thing that he has tried is when when you are like what you just described in in the trenches and you are learning it from personal experience like that is ingrained in your head and it's burned in there and you know it but then what's when you try to tell someone else or tell a story it like it doesn't it's not as ingrained it's just like okay yeah that's great and you think about it but that's not gonna it's not gonna be something that you are guaranteed to remember so he's trying Mm -hmm. to work with people through meditation to do what he calls firewalking so he's like you got to actually visualize yourself in that situation and the, the he's trying to work with people to get good at putting like getting so good at putting themselves in in that situation that they in essence actually live that and so they can learn from the experience versus just hearing it from a story wow i mean i think that that's incredible if you can if you can get to that level i think for for most people it'd be hard you know i think the the imagery you can you can kind of apply and i think that would be great like if you're afraid of public speaking it would be great to meditate and visualize your whole speech and kind of run through it in your head but i I, I don't know. I mean, I, do you feel like a lot of people could get to that level of proficiency of just so, that meditation? His, well, so his example was the people in the finan- like financial world right now that are young that have been have entered the profession since 2008 and have lived in basically a, only a bull market where every every time they've made aggressive moves, they've always won. And so he's trying to figure out how do I train these guys, what it feels like to get through a bear market, and how do I... Like just tell, just looking at a chart is not going to do it. So how do you get mm. them to visualize? Oh, I'm losing all my, I'm losing all my bets or whatever, and internalizing it so they can actually feel what it's like. Certainly not easy. Take them to, take them to Vegas. <laughs> oh god, I don't <laughs> know. That yeah, <laughs> that wouldn't take yeah. too long. Hey, so. How about you? I don't think we've covered your passions yet. No, so I would say a couple of mine are similar to yours. I, I really am passionate about discussing ideas, which doesn't really lend itself well to like exploring that. You know, like I think I think there's there's ways that I extend myself where I try to engage in more discussion, but there's not like a, a specific path to becoming better at discussion. Um I would agree with learning new skills. I would say, this sounds kind of douchey, but I'm just going to say it, expanding my life palette. So okay. in terms <laughs> of... So I said finding new experiences, but I, I like how you described it. I think it's similar. <laughs> I think that, I think it's almost the same, but my, mine is more specific to 
you know, experiencing new flavors and, you know, being able to describe those, um, you know, not just in food or wine or whiskey or, or coffee, but in, in life in general, um, you know, having more self-awareness in those moments, uh, whether through journaling or just being able to be more present. You know, I, I think about, you know, when we took that trip to Ankara and we're all standing on top of this castle in the middle of January and the sun's setting, you know, like I have a tendency to just start clicking off pictures as fast as I can. Um, and just being able to slow down and, and sit and, and watch. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a skill that's taken me <clears throat> definitely a while to appreciate and develop where, you know, the, the picture isn't necessarily what's of value. It's the experience of being there and, and really being more present in those moments. That's what you see at concerts nowadays when everyone's just sitting there not paying attention trying to video the concert. They already they don't even know what's going on at the concert and they probably are never going to go back to the video. They're just going to post it online and that's it. My biggest problem is the people who have like the iPads and the screens like in oh, front God. of their face. <laughs> I'm like, why did you go? Oh, wow. Just look it up on look it up on YouTube later. So have you had any challenges when, like for your current passion, when it starts to dominate your life? And, and how do you kind of balance that out when you kind of run into, run into not necessarily a roadblock, but run into a point where you feel it kind of treading on uh, a space that you're not necessarily comfortable with? Okay, so I have a problem because I want, I want to, like when I run into a, a little, what I in my mind think is a mini roadblock, and then I'm trying to figure it out, and I think that I'm just one article or one. Oh, I think I almost have this. If I just change this one thing, it it's just become I can't stop, and I just keep chasing it and chasing it, and I lose track of time. And then I'm up late at night, or I have spent the whole afternoon, or even a whole day. It's an, it's a nice day outside, and I spent the whole day trying to track down this one problem. So what what I've tried to do what I'm trying to do is set boundaries so I'm only going to work on this for a certain number of hours that way it's not open ended mm-hmm. so that I uh don't become so unbalanced in my life. I like that. I like that a lot. But it's a I challenge. Wonder, I wonder what the I feel like there's a broader application of that. I know a lot of people schedule their time out very specifically but I feel like for individual problems, that's that's a really good idea in terms of saying, okay, we need to solve this today or next week, but for today we get sixty minutes to talk about. Yeah, well, like I like that. It's it's a work in progress, but my girlfriend helps to remind me to quit being such a nerd and <laughs> get back into society. <laughs> Speaking of society, so um, our last podcast we we rolled out, or <laughs> I rolled out an idea for a Pico Pod call called the uh the global crier which is which is possibly going to be a 90 second podcast encompassing all the news from around the world of the past week um i feel like it's it's pushing me a little bit um further than i would like to uh i haven't necessarily always wanted to be a a news person but what what's, what's your take on that and what do you think is the balance of where you kind of feel out of your depths but you feel like it's a decent enough idea that you should continue on. So first of all, you should just with this thing, it's ninety seconds. So I say just ship it and let's see what it looks like. I'm really intrigued to see how 
how many news stories you think you could fit in and is are you going to say i only want to do the top three or am i going to try to jam 10 in there maybe it will depend on the week could be yeah for sure it'll definitely depend on the week because there's been a lot of news stories this week i here's what i think i think that right the pico pod needs to be somewhat more focused and it can't just be any news stories it needs to be you need to be more fo- if you're only going to take 90 seconds mm-hmm. if it's just a general i don't know what i'm going to get just some sort of news story across the world i think that's too general i think it needs to be somehow more specific oh interesting more specific in what way like a certain like politics or global events type specific or do you mean like with a, its own stance i think it could be it's it, it could be a theme i don't know what the theme would be but it could cross categories but with a specific theme like maybe the most unexpected or the most outrageous or something i just think that somehow it it, like (laughs) i think number one you're marketing that it's only 90 seconds but there's got to be a second element to it that people (laughs) know what they're getting yeah so what are they getting besides just 90 seconds of news the no spin. I don't know. The funny thing is, we've already talked about it for more than ninety seconds. I know that's that's going to be a challenge. <laughs> well, you're not going to be able to spin anything because you only have ninety seconds. I don't that's think, right. unless no. you try to spin the hell out of it in ninety seconds, <laughs> which could also be a theme. Could be the all spins. You could spend forty five seconds from one angle and forty five seconds Ooh, from the other. I like that. I like that a lot. So I want I want to spin back to to passions um i I appreciate your input and and it is duly noted um but how important do you think is having true passions um and what would you say are the downsides of a person that's just like well i I don't know i don't like i don't really have any hobbies i don't really have anything that i'm super into right now i don't i mean is that hard (laughs) is that difficult to to get your head wrapped around well i i don't think i don't think finding your passion is like this magic formula that all of a sudden this single idea is going to pop in your head that's a certain passion that you're just gonna love and follow so i don't think it's that simple i in fact i was thinking like i wonder if you could use a gratitude journal or meditation and not to find your passion, but to take something that you may like and just think about it and like almost like create a passion in that specific thing. Hmm. So it's kind of like you're at, well. <laughs> it's almost like what you were describing in professional life where when when you get to a certain level of proficiency, it, it becomes easier and then it, it also becomes more fun and you're more engaged. Well, I like okay. So when I did assignments and move people around, I said there's no bad no there's no bad assignments, just bad attitudes, which is not exactly <laughs> true, <laughs> but I like to say it. But there's oh, I think there's some truth to your attitude matters. So if someone, I would say, to, and this is, I'm sure there are other situations, but maybe for some people, if you don't have a passion. Like, is the problem that you don't have a, like a, not a positive outlook on life, but like, I don't know. I just don't think, I think it's about an attitude and not just, uh, 
like all of a sudden just having a word and saying this word is my new passion i don't think it's that simple i think it's more about an attitude you have with about life yeah i i think about like samuel's hatton show you know like that show to me is all about giving people self-confidence to try their passions like i feel like that's that's a huge undercurrent of that that thematic where you know so mo- so many of us are are held back by what we're self-conscious to be bad at um that we we won't really extend ourselves to to get in the situations that are going to make us better or make us learn faster um, to catch up to that, you know, whatever, 80%, 90% where you feel much more comfortable and, and proficient and engaged, like I said before. Yeah, so here's what I think. I think it's having a passion is not as simple as just, oh, here's the, the thing that I'm passionate about because it's not like some, you can't have a, some magic thing that says, hey, I'm going to hand out passions and it's going to be, hey, you're passionate in this thing and then all of a sudden you're passionate. It's not... It doesn't happen like that. So I think it starts with to to just be searching for a word that's going to be your passion. I think that's not going to be effective. So I think it's more important thinking about how you like how you think about life and how you perceive life and things like that. Sure. So I'm going to relate it back to my palate comment. Um, you know as human beings, our palate changes over the course of our life. And if you didn't like a food five years ago, you may try it again and find that you like it. Um, I think it's very similar in terms of, of passions where, you know, we go through school and there may be a subject that we were bad at or a teacher that we, uh, didn't necessarily like a great deal that really turned us off to a specific subject. But until you go back and, you know, try those things again, um, you're really not going to know that. Like you may just think, oh, I, I, I really hated history because of Mr. Whoever. Um, but that doesn't mean there's some aspect of history or some place uh, of history where you might really become invested and, and find a passion that, you know, goes on for the rest of your life. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think I, I think in terms of eating food, I always like to go back and try things to see if I if, if I've changed my mind on liking or disliking certain things. I've tried, so there, there are a few foods that I didn't like, um, just in general. I didn't really like goat cheese Yeah. Uh, for a long time, and so I just kept trying it and trying it and trying it and trying it um, until it finally... Now you I like beca- it? I like it. I became wow. accustomed to it. So, I mean, it's... You know what I don't like that people, like, is kind of surprised is wasabi. Really? I don't like it. I've the tried, flavor, I, the feeling. I think I don't like horseradish like that, the where it goes up your nose and it's. Mm-hmm. I just don't like it. I like hot sauce. I like like red pepper sauce, but wasabi. Every, I try every single. <laughs> I pretty much try every single time. And I just I can't get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a that's a very extreme flavor, and I think the bitterness of horseradish and wasabi, uh, you know kind of dominates a lot of people's palate who don't really like bitter things very well. Well, usually I t- when people say they don't like things like that, I crack jokes at them and say that their palate is immature. Or they're like, once their palate develops, then, <laughs> then you'll probably like it. For example, coffee. So maybe this is just the little payback on that. For sure. <laughs> so keep eating it. Keep trying I'm, I'm going to. I'm... At some stage, you'll you'll have to either like it. Or die. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> in 60 or 70 years and just hate wasabi your whole life but I, I like wasabi it's it's kind of a delight I eat it very American and splash it around in my soy sauce so yeah everyone apo- does apology. that I, guess I don't like it at all <laughs> apologies <laughs> to any sushi chefs out there maybe that's what it is maybe I don't know I'm you, only you, trying. To, I'm only trying to sell myself on why it's good, and that I don't have a a weak like a. <laughs> I don't know what, what kind of poor palate I have. I can't eat wasabi. Well, I mean, it really is like the A one steak sauce of sushi. So I mean, you could you could take the the highbrow attitude and just say, well, why would I develop such a low class? Right. <laughs> it's the low class flavor I guess for my that's sushi. True. <laughs> You're such a snob. You hey, become a nerd and a snob. Hey, the, this is like somewhat off topic, but you know what I think is funny is when, like, I grew up eating Heinz ketchup, and then if you try to put high class ketchup or just gourmet ketchup next, I would be like, this tastes terrible. Oh, I've asked specifically. I've been at places that make their own ketchup. I said, do you uh, <laughs> do you have any Heinz that I can put on this? Yeah. I wonder what the other things are where that in general the population just likes it. I don't know. I mean there's not that many things. I mean it's it's the things that are ubiquitous, you know, like Kleenex and <laughs> Well, so we went over to one of my friends' houses for uh for dinner and my girlfriend was talking to his wife and his wife was explaining that she likes the fresh green beans cut up but her husband likes the canned green beans. And I just I I can't comprehend it. <laughs> which just, which one you don't you don't like the cans? The canned are terrible. I think they ruin the taste of green beans for everyone. But I get I don't know. I just don't understand it. But is I mean, is there a canned food that's superior to a fresh food? Let's let's dive into that. Well, Pears terrible. No. Peaches, I will eat them, but only because they remind me of school lunch. I think some beans are are better canned because I don't want to go through the process of cooking them myself. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that is true. To soak beans for two and a half days is absurd. When someone can just throw some yeah. thick sodium and flavoring in there, right. and it tastes delicious. Maybe mushrooms. Oh, I disagree no. strongly. Yeah, strongly. You got to get some some morels. That's about, oh yeah, yeah. Those might even be a little late. Yeah, There's, you're not canning morels. Yeah. But no, anyway, right. we've we've gone very highbrow on this. Let's um, let's pull it back. Um, I'm trying to think what my last question is. Um, so you've talked about it before in terms of goal setting and kind of controlling yourself in terms of your activities, but where do you find the off ramps or the on ramps to add new projects? So I try, (laughs) I think about every six months I set a new set of goals, but I, I don't know. When do you table the old ones? I think that's the challenge. Well, because hmm. usually a lot of times I'm trying to continue, continue doing the one, the things that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know when you table. Hmm, that's a good question. We'll th- we'll think about it for for next time. Yeah. Did you have any other questions? Uh, I've ha- I have a <laughs> I have a just a thought that I think is interesting. I've heard people say that you can figure out what you're passionate about about what you think about in the shower. Hmm. What do you think about that? Um, I would disagree. I think oh. <laughs> I think some people take much longer showers than I do. Apparently, I'm, I I always daydream in the shower. 
I take I take pretty quick showers. Hmm. Um, I would say actually I've taken much longer showers since coming back from Iraq. Because uh, <laughs> you appreciate them or what? I really like being clean now. <laughs> uh, I think before I would, I would probably average like maybe two minutes a shower before that. Um, so there wasn't a lot of time to daydream in there. I don't know. I mean, I generally, find, I, I find myself pondering like the the hard questions that I'm working on either at work or at home are the things that I oftentimes are thinking about when I'm in the shower. Hmm. I could see that. I mean, your mind is much more much more free. Um, from the stress of the day. I'll be honest. A lot of times I'm going through like a to-do list of what I'm going to do that day. Um, or at night, you know, going back through like what, what I actually did during the day and starting to think about tomorrow. So maybe, maybe that's something I need to work on. I need to be a little bit more contemplatory when I'm, when I'm taking a shower. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, one other thing that I've been thinking about is, so on my commute to work, I have a 10 minute walk and then I ride the train for about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> initially i was trying to just jam in as much like podcasting or not podcasting but listening to podcasts and reading on this trip as i could but then i started while i was meditating and i would wouldn't have time to do the full 15 minute meditation but there's a 10 minute walking meditation Mm -hmm. so i started well kind of cheating but then i've kind of started liking it i started doing the 10 minute walking meditation instead and i found that i that i I think I need to, especially when it's nice out, I need, I, rather than just throwing it at headphones and just like not paying attention at all to the world around me, I think it's, it's been beneficial for me to not have headphones in and kind of walk and just like be aware of my surroundings and be present with what, like with the walk to the subway. Hmm. I like that. I think that's, I think that's good advice just in terms of before almost anything. Like I think there's, there's a, a gr- the best way to prepare for different things. So like when you're going to the gym, it may be to blast some really good music that pumps you up. But for work, you probably do need that that time of quiet or maybe a little bit of, you know, the, the city noise, but not necessarily a noise that's going to be really bothersome or, you know, make you think on a different level. Yeah, I just think, I think I found the limit of just shoving as much information or whatever in your day as possible. And I... Because I would wake up, turn on a podcast, and then I would listen to it on the walk there, and then sometimes I'd read on the subway. I think there was not enough time of just doing nothing, letting your mind wind up, or yeah, or be be prepared to actually do what it was going to do. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's an awesome. But point. I only found it because I was being lazy with my meditation, <laughs> and I was trying to cheat doing this walking meditation. <laughs> I, I like that walk. I have about a 10 minute walk too. Yeah. Hey, you should check it out. It's great. I think I will. Is that, that's headspace? Yeah. I'm, okay. My streak's up to 110 or something like that. Ooh. Now. Killer. They, I, I want it to end because the pressure is kind of becoming <laughs> overwhelming. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I wish you would blog or tweet about how much pressure you feel daily just so I can, just so I can track your anxiety <laughs> well, meter. I, well, I, well, I, I think it would be funny if I was med- like if I it was became so much pressure that I had to meditate on it <laughs> to that. relieve the pressure. <laughs> it would help your streak for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I, I I'd say we should end on that because that's that's a fabulous point. I can't wait to hear more about your meditating on on meditation. 
um, I'm excited to jump more into how our passions go because I know both your six month goals and my six month goals are coming up pretty soon. So we can we can revisit where we're going this year and how we've done so far. So I'm I'm excited about that. Um, I'm I'm good to sign off. We're at 35 minutes, which is pretty pretty good for yeah. us. So I'm I'm Frank Boyce and this is Axel Clark. Hey, uh, you're not going to find a single word as a passion. Go out there, enjoy life, and uh, just find a passion in how you live life. If I took the time, so I'd be afraid to step on out and ruin all the plans that I've made. Live the life that I call for. I feel it in my bones. But there's plenty more left to go Take the toll, turn the clock back I can't cause the same This time is holding on It's holding on to you It's time